Blau und weiß sein, liebe Lahn. Willkommen zum einzigen Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. This is episode 160 of Shark America, the season review podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Joining me as always, my co-host, Jack Mangan. Jack, how are we doing? 160, that's a nice, that's a nice big number yeah. there. Yeah, maybe we hit I'm 200 well. next season. Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, we probably will. That's a good point, actually. Um, we'll have to do something special for that, maybe. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, uh, obviously, I think we both should be given the yeah. way uh, things ultimately <laughs> ended up. But yeah, I'm looking forward into kind of like putting a putting a cap on this one and, and looking forward to next season a little bit before we uh, head and do a little bit of a summer break here. Yeah, yeah, I got a lot to talk about in today's episode. We're going to talk about the season review, top moments, best signing. Best 11s. We both have our own player ratings, contracts, coaching, and even preview the next season. So, lots to get into do today. Um, yeah, let's just start off with the season review. I mean, obviously, we won the title. We're getting promoted. Uh, good season. But uh, it was not all daisies, was it? It was up and downs. Sometimes we weren't even sure we were going to be in the consideration for promotion. Um, but ultimately, the season went our way but man mm-hmm. what a season we thought Swaita Liga was gonna be hard uh, it certainly was yeah yeah I mean you mentioned the ups and downs but that's what we expected and that's what we were saying prior to relegation for the people that were you know sort of frothing for us to go down and then be able to do this whole reset and you know yeah. that kind of thing we we're saying hey second division's no joke man and um I mean I think my biggest takeaway from the season apart from the Schalke specific things is just what a great advertisement for German football in general um, you know, h- how many eyes were on a second division league, essentially. Yeah. Um, I think it's just a great advertisement for the game in that country and, and you know, the supporter culture and, you know, some just some great historic clubs and everything. And so, I yeah, I really enjoyed getting to spend time um, watching this league because obviously, you know, when we're in the Bundesliga, I, I follow what's happening in the second division a little bit, but certainly don't um, watch a ton of games. Um, and as we talked last week, I'm, I'm going to do that going forward. Um, I think a lot of you know my my time spent as a neutral viewer is gonna probably more of that's gonna be in in this fight of Bundesliga kind of going forward because it's a great league and it deserves it. So um, yeah, just a really really fun yeah. season, ups and downs, and and uh, it's it's easy to say we enjoyed it when we ended up on the right side of it, but I mean truly just a really really enjoyable campaign. It is, it is, and you, we hear we hear guys like Derek Ray all the time bragging about how good the German football is in general, not just the Bundesliga, but German football. And we kind of knew going into this that despite the league, it was good. Uh, but I guess we really got a true appreciation of how good the league is, not just with Schalke, but you I mean watching these other teams play, how the chaotic it gets with you know when games are going at the same time, same implications and back and forth. It's fun, and uh, yeah, I certainly am going to be advocating for this league uh, going forward, and I'm certainly going to keep an eye on it for for sure, not just to see who's coming up, but just watch the league because it's an entertaining league for sure, and it's so freaking close. Um, you know, look at the final standings, how close it was, right? So, I mean, I mean, the top ten were separated by yeah twenty points or so, but then you look at the top four, and they're all separated within five points, right? And then you add in St. Pauli, three points behind them, so it's just. Uh, crazy how it all turned out and um certainly an advertisement for the game but starting off the season right 
we had Hamburg. That was the pre matchup, the first game, and one of the few games on ESPN, it seemed like. Uh, certainly the in the in the Hinrunde. But um, yeah, losing the season, starting to, you know, Turtle scoring in the first game, that was great. But, you know, losing to Hamburg 3 1. And we're kind of going up and down to start the season. We like had a win, get a loss, and a win, a loss. Um, and I think what I took from the beginning of the season was like, yeah, we were getting results against the teams we we're supposed to, but teams like Hamburg, Regensburg, Darmstadt all whooped our tail pretty good in the beginning. And we're like, this is going to be a long season. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Even a little bit later into the first half of the season, the first time we came up against St. Pauli and everything like there's, there were some bigger teams we were running into that just seemed to be much more cohesive, well-oiled um, and, and, you know, solid in their game plan and everything. Um, and yeah, early in the season as well, a little bit of defensive instability that we ultimately, I think, sorted out, but more games early on, we were conceding, you know, large numbers of goals or whatever. I think the four, one against Regensburg stands yeah. out. Um yeah, and then once that once that settled down, things things got a little bit more interesting. But um, you know, uh, we didn't we didn't get up into I think like the actual promotion places until like week ten. Yeah, that's the first time we were there. So like the early part of that season, we were very much mid table, kind of like searching for any sort of consistency. Yeah, and the and the obviously the rumor mill got sort of early with Gramotzis because it's like, look, if we're not in a promotion spot or contending by the Winterpause. We need to pull that plug. Um, and so that was a discussion from early on from not only just the Hamburg loss, but, you know, lo losing what we did to Regensburg and some of these other games. We're like, is this the right manager? We don't know. And so um, and what we also noticed is that Bulter kind of stepped up. We knew Toretto was going to get goals. We didn't know how well he was. Right. You and I talked about last podcast, 15 goals have been a great year for him. He certainly surpassed that. Uh, and he started off really hot, right? Seven goals and or eight goals and six games, something. I think what surprised me is how good Bulter was. Bulter was a great wingman or, you know, goose to his Maverick. Uh, and then, you know, despite all of that, we even said like, yes, we're winning games, but it's not pretty football necessarily. We're, we're doing okay, but we're relying a lot on Toronto and Bulter and even Oyan to an extent, Oyan, excuse me. Uh, but it was uh, certainly, it was shaky from the beginning. I don't know. I, I it was, not quite comfortable, but we were happy that we were winning, I guess, right? Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get a little bit into this more when we start talking about maybe some of the, the coaching situation. Um, but like, yeah, I think I think our our narrative kind of all in the first half of the season, which ultimately kind of looks correct in hindsight, is just what we were saying was defensively the team's the team's fine. The team is, you know, competitive and where it needs to be on that front. Um, and we think from a personnel standpoint, we have the players that we need. Yeah. to get the results but the the, the structure and the system that Gramasis was was putting us in was not a, was not allowing the players to uh maybe achieve the offensive returns that they were capable of achieving and i think you know when when Gramasis was ultimately you know brought in and um then had that summer yeah. to, to kind of like you know with with the new squad to kind of and we were wondering like how's he going to come out and i think there was a little bit of disappointment in that he kind of kept that 532 that he was using like late in the season when we got relegated and we we're like, you know, maybe he was just doing that to just kind of see us out through the season, you yeah. know, throw a bunch of people, you know, backward, that kind of thing. And it kind of ended up being not like that's like legitimately the system he was trying to play. Um, and so I think there were some questions about that early on because we were hoping maybe we'd see something different. He'd have more time to kind of implement something a little bit more exciting um, or, or whatever. Um, and that didn't really kind of come to fruition. Yeah. And it was, <laughs> We our biggest worry was like you know Toroda if he scored all these goals he was leading the league for most of the season 
But if he goes down with an injury, what do we do then, right? And all of a sudden, he goes out with an injury. And Bolter, I don't remember what happened to him, if he was suspended or whatever happened, but we lost both of them for a little bit. And we wondered. We kept At that point, as we're leading up to it, we're like, let's see Cherlinoff out there. I, I know I was screaming for Cherlinoff in the attack. Uh, we wanted to see a little bit more of a Martin Peeringer. And they kind of became our, our second tandem. And they kind of took us through that little rough patch that we had without Toronto and Bolter. Um, not as... As, as prolific as they were, but they were doing the job. We were still getting results. And I think by the time, you know, Toronto got back and we got to the winter, winter Palza, shout out to Reggie's. I see you. In, I see you in the chat. Um, we, we talked about, again, if we're, if we're not contending for a promotion spot and we were struggling, we went through a, a bad run. Gramosis should be gone. And he kind of got in a little run here just before the winter Palza to kind of boosted us back up to the top of the table. So kind of cal- calmed the nerves a little bit. Um, but overall we were doing decent, but you know, we were all had our eyes on promotion and, and uh, by the time the winter pause, the, the mid mid season break came, we weren't satisfied, I guess, with what we were seeing. Yes, we were doing better, but ultimately, I guess it's just inconsistent. The, we had the personnel, like you said, but it's, it's the tactics were just not lining up right. And we weren't creating enough offensive opportunities. I think that's what it was right. Defensively, we were, okay but the tactics offensively just were lacking and we had to almost like hope for Bolter and Toro to kind of pull us along or Uvion to do something magical for us to do something because for a while we had no attacking presence really outside of those those couple guys yeah I think the conversation was was just one of um you know if, if we don't make a coaching change during the winter pausa, then we're probably not making a coaching change or maybe we shouldn't make a coaching change, you know, subsequent to that, because yeah. it's just less time for um, somebody to come in and actually implement something in the team to get up to speed. And when you're, you know, when you need results immediately, um, how much time do you have to kind of, uh, you know, maybe play with a couple games, yeah. you know, before the team's really kind of all on the same page with whatever the new manager is going to try to do. Um, and the other problem was, you know, even though I think, I, I don't think we were convinced with Gramatis, it was like we were within touching distance. Yeah. So it wasn't as if we were sitting in like 10th place all season. Exactly. Like, like not, I mean, we were, we were close. We were like, you know, fifth, sixth, you know, sometimes we jump up to third and then we'd be down to like seventh, but we, we'd, we'd always be within, you know, maybe like a result or two of where we needed to be. And so, you know, given that it's kind of hard to, to, just throw your coach out at that point. I know that like, you know, promotion's obviously the goal, right. um, but we weren't, we, we weren't that far off. The, 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 the team, I mean, the league was so, so close and so tight that things were changing like every week. And, and even we if we kinda, changed, there's that chance we could actually do worse. Right. For not, sure. No exactly. We're and we just kind of felt like we didn't have the consistent. We just needed to rattle off a couple results in a row yeah. and kind of get ourselves into a slightly more stable position. And then we could even potentially revert a little bit to some more inconsistency. And we might, you know, we might be okay to some extent. Um, and that just wasn't happening. So, uh, yeah, it was a, yeah, I think that was a, that was a difficult conversation in, in, in the winter. And, you know, when, when it, the change ultimately didn't happen, I think we're like, I don't feel good about it. You know, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not <laughs> optimistic that we're going to get this thing over the line, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And we got some depth players in the, in the winter, uh, winter break. We got, uh, Lee Dong Jong from South Korea. We got Vinheim, uh, from, Denmark or Norway, I forget where he came from. Um, a couple other depth guys. And Vinheim's first game was pretty great, right? A goal and two assists or something crazy. Um, Lee Dong Jong, we, we wanted to see what he could do. We, there was a lot of hype with him. He got he gets injured. Vinheim ultimately gets injured. And then we're kind of like back yeah. to where we were. Then we had this, we knew this gauntlet was coming at the end of the season. We saw the schedule ahead. All the big boys, all the teams that are going to be fighting for promotion are going to be at the end. 
and we had this five game stretch before, and we said like coming out of the break, it was like if you're gonna make a move on Gramotis, it has to be before like Valentine's Day because you, like you said, we need enough time for that new manager to kind of get acclimated with the team, da 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 da, and. That five five game stretch against the bottom feeders, we did not do well, and ultimately cost Gramotis his job. And it wasn't until after what March something when they made the, the move, and I think it's a loss to Heidenheim three nothing or something, um, or whoever it was I forget who it was. Um, but well, I think it, I think it was the four three to Rostock. Yes, that's what it was. That's what like, it was. Remember, like Verhoek scored early in that. Maybe maybe yeah. Heidenheim was our first game win with Buskins, right? right. Uh, I think that would have been Ingolstadt. Anyway, whatever. Whatever. Um, yeah. Continue. Oh, um, yeah. I'm, yeah, sorry. I was, I was trying to find the actual yeah, the schedule. <laughs> there, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, we yeah. finally made the move, and we're like, what are we going to do here? It's late in the season. Is this too late? They bring in Buskins. You know, we're like, okay, well, at least Buskins. We also had rumors when they after our Buskins in that there was some fighting between Buskins and Gramozis, so, you know, in terms of tactics and stuff like that and whatever. Buskins came in. We obviously had high hopes. Buskins were hoping to be like another hoops. Uh, ho- yeah, Hoop Stevens um, kind of rallied the boys and get them uh, to fire some wins. And their first, what was their first win? It was against, was it Ingolstadt? Or was it I think it was, I want to say it was like Ingolstadt, um, March 13th, something like that. Okay. And that was the game that he was out and Kreutzel was on the sideline for You're the right. first match. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that was like a 1-0 one, one maybe. 3-0. 3-0? Okay, there you go. Better than I thought. Yeah. Um, yep. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Well, we rattle off. We rattled off what seven of eight wins under Buskins. Um, surprisingly, we we thought we were gonna do some good, but you know we talked about all season long. All we need to do is get into a, a nice stretch of wins, five wins or something, and it'll really get us at the top of the table. We can kind of see this out. We got those those wins at the end of the season. You know, not that we were playing any more drastically different than than under Garmotis, but we were more consistent, I think. And what I think, at least I saw Jack. I don't know about you. The passion came back. The heart came back with the team, and that's what really set us over the edge as opposed to anything tactically. I don't know what you saw under Buskins as maybe different than Garmozis. I mean, I think there was definitely a slight mentality difference um, for sure, but uh, listen, like, yeah, I mean, Buskins, Buskins ultimately uh, put a different system in place. Garmozis did not show a lot of tactical flexibility um in you know the 75 percent of the season that he managed he said like this is our system this is the shape we're playing this is generally how we're going to try to do things and uh what we were talking about all in in the in the hin render was like this isn't working let's see if he can make some adjustments and they just didn't appear to be there and we kept saying i think we have the squad this just isn't working for us for whatever reason um so yeah i'm not saying that like offensively briskins is a genius or something but he did he, he changed the shape um he he put us into a back four gives us an extra man in midfield um which i think is particularly important because at the time some of that was happening like oyam was still injured um and you know the right wing back situation or whatever was, was kind of sketchy all season long so if you're not going to have maybe um consistency and high production from those positions at that point like you know like i said like maybe focus a little bit less on that in terms of like your emphasis and like the progression and get that extra man in midfield you know and, and change things that way and that's that's what we did i think there was also some um some selection differences in terms of personnel yeah and who was getting who was getting picked at times that were smart um and uh yeah i mean i have to give him i have to give him credit uh we uh i was not particularly optimistic when we made the change to buskins either because i thought it was maybe a little bit too late in the season um, when we did, if we were going to fire Gramatzis that late, I figured it must've been because we had somebody else. 
or something. I don't know. I mean, like, and and the fact that we just said, "Hey, caretaker manager, Buskins vibe, <laughs> vibes, let's go." Um, and I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure there's way more happening behind the scenes. Like Kreutzel and Buskins, I'm sure have tactical ideas of their input. I mean, obviously, um, I'm just saying, like, it, it seemed to be a little bit of a gamble, and I was surprised by it. And at the time, we're like, "Is this Schroeder trying to like cover his own?" you know, whatever, because, you know, and, uh, but Hey, you know, it worked out ended up being the correct decision. And, and Buskins was able to get that little bit extra out of the squad um, offensively that, that Kermatsis hadn't. And uh, that that's what pushes over the top. Yeah. Uh, crazy, crazy run to end the season. Uh, some big, big wins, a lot of comeback wins to um, lots of top moments. Obviously, some of this plays at the end of the season, right? Salazar's game winner against St. Pauli. Um, Toroda against Sanhausen or even uh, even just winning the last game of the season are big moments. But I mean, throughout the season, there were some top moments um, from the from the season. What were some of the top moments for you? Obviously, the ones down the stretch are big ones, but anything during the middle of the season or beginning of the season that that really jumped out at you? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone would probably pick like Salazar's winner against yeah. St. Pauli as like the moment of the season or whatever. I think arguably the most important moment of the season was the Toronto winner against Sanhausen that you mentioned. Yeah, um, because yeah. that was a game against an opponent that we that we needed to get. It, it wasn't happening. That was like a 90th minute. Frazzle kicks a ball <laughs> yeah. from his own goal, like long ball up the field, bounces around to the end line. You know, Idrizi f- kicks it to uh, to Toronto, who's in the right place at the right time and finishes it. Um, and that the ability to win that game that late, I feel as though that gave us the confidence to deal with the St. Pauli game that happened later. Yeah. Yeah, like the fact that we were able to grind that one out and get the winner late, like that just gave I think the team maybe a sense of belief or sort of like not like a touch of destiny, but just sort of like, you know, we we can we we can get over the hump here. And so yeah. I, we went two 0 down to St. Pauli and like it and we turned it around. And I think I think it was like the Sandhausen game that maybe gave them that, that little bit, uh, little bit of belief. Um, outside of that, I think my personal kind of like favorite moments. And these are just going to be like kind of weird and sentimental. We're actually like a couple of Toronto's early goals in the season. Okay. And I talked all season about how refreshing it was to have an actual number nine (laughs) who could reliably score goals. And like the difference that makes as a fan, like, you know, the past couple of seasons where we just don't have anybody who can put away chances and it's just, you know, infuriating. There you go. Toronto Jersey in the background. (laughs) Um, And I think one of them was, it was a, it wasn't like a win or anything. We were already winning the game, but it was like a 90th minute goal that Toronto scored against Dusseldorf and like a three, one win, I think. Okay. And it was a Kaminsky long ball and Toronto's backing his backing, his defender down plays it off his chest and like turns and then immediately just like toe poke goal into like the far left corner past the keeper. And it was just like such a beautiful, like use of physicality, but also kind of like economy of motion. Yeah. And he knows exactly where the corner is immediately finishes it. He makes it look so easy. And that was the kind of goal that I was like, where has this been in our team? Like recently? Somebody <laughs> yeah. can just do that. And like, um, uh, kind of create a goal like that. I got a nothing. And like, I think right after there, there was another one. Um, I'm trying to remember. He scored goals every which way this season. I mean, any way imaginable he did. Yeah. I, I know what the other one I was thinking of, I think it happened like maybe the next game after that it was against Karlsruhe. Um, and there was a uh, there was a goal where um, it may have been Cherlinov or somebody was like trying to to score the ball kind of in the right side of the box, and Toronto was kind of following the play a little bit, and it squirts out into open space, and Toronto's there, and he never even looks at the goal or anything, and he's facing away from it. He just has this like hip torque, and just like fires this thing low across, like across the face of goal, all the way back to the far corner, yeah. and that was another one where I was just like, that's a striker, man, like knows exactly where the corner is without having to look at it and can just put away a chance like that out of nothing. And I think just seeing those couple ones as a fan, I was just like, like it was, yeah, it was just, 
it, it was so exciting to have that in the team and we haven't had it. And um, it was, it was part of what made this season um, really fun. Last mention before I let you talk. Sorry. Please, please. The final one. And this is probably goal of the season for me, but right. the karate kid. Um, of course. I know. Yeah. I mean, just, just a ridiculous goal, horrible defending, by the way, he was yes. completely unmarked, but um, a ridiculous goal from, you know, like a, a Kanapich meter product sort of like in front of the home crowd um was just yeah really cool and uh yeah an obnoxious finish yeah uh obviously the iden goal was one of the goals of the season it was fantastic by him not, not only technically but just like at that time of the season you know we were we needed a big win that was a huge goal by him we and we we all love iden right and scoring that goal you know reggie's kind of mentioned you know the uh we usually suffer with late goals and this season we did score a lot of late decisive goals a couple of them for me were both Kaminsky, and I think he just mentioned in the chat. One, it was uh, wait, did he even mention it? Well, one was against Hanover, and one was against Dusseldorf. Um, one I think tied it at the end of the end of the game, and another one won it. And both were like in the 95th, 96th minute. There weren't pretty goals by any stretch, but they were huge goals because we got points that we needed. Ultimately, it came down, you know, all these little points added up at the end of the season to 65. But those late plays by Kaminsky, I think, were so huge for us. Uh, where in the past. Even in the Hinrunda where Werder Bremen scored that lucky penalty end of the game or let goal end of the game, make a 1-1, we thought no bounces were going our way. But times like these when Kaminsky or somebody else would jump in, you mentioned Tarota, getting these late decisive goals, this is the difference with this team is that last year we gave up a goal, we were done in the game. This season we kept fighting till the last whistle and we had all these late goals and that's a sign of a champion. Um, and so those are some of my big moments there. I mean uh, – that kind of stood out to me looking at uh, looking at the schedule. Um, obviously, getting the revenge against Darmstadt with a hat trick from Bolter was pretty. It was pretty big for us. We were already in the middle of our run at that point. Um, trying to think what else. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the the late games that we mentioned, St. Pauli, Sandhausen, and even um, Nuremberg at the end, but. Yeah, just uh, get, getting those early wins, I think, were important because it shook our – we were so used to losing for the last couple of seasons or more. And just to start off on the right foot and get, at least getting half one win, one loss, win, loss. We were at least getting some victory Mondays back, right? We hadn't had a victory Monday in freaking like two years, it feels like. So that was just nice to get back into that swing and feeling like a Shaka fan again, getting to celebrate again. We hadn't yeah, done that in so exactly. long. And these big moments kind of help with that, I think. So, and that's part of what I was getting at with the Toronto thing is just like the celebration, like you know, the things that you can actually be happy about and root for is a big part of it. Yeah, yeah being able to have as many consecutive victory Mondays as we did when those were very few and far between in the seven past. of the last eight. <laughs> yeah, which was great. Might have been eight of the last nine, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the, I mean, you mentioned some of the Kaminsky ones. I think one of those Kaminsky ones actually was pretty as well, though. I mean, it may have been the Hanover one, but one of those was like a cross where he took a ridiculous, like side footed, like initial yes. first touch to take it out of the air yeah and then like a really difficult turn and finish it yeah. was like a really nice goal from him and it, I, I think to see how happy uh the rest of his teammates were for him that he yes. scored a goal like that yes. like Toronto was freaking out like Zalasar was freaking out everyone was like running over to him and like really excited about it that was a great one for you sure can, um, you can see the team spirit by like how they celebrated other people's goals not only just yes. Salazar's goals Kaminsky's goals Tiago's goals anytime it wasn't like even if it was Toronto obviously but Anytime it was somebody else, Drexler scoring goals, they would embrace these guys like nothing. And uh, you love that camaraderie. And that's part of, you know, Buskins, yeah, he brought a lot of that in the end of the season, but they had it for a decent amount of the season. And you like to see how, and that's how tight the team was. You know, sticking up for one another. We talked about next man up, right? 
when Trotter and Bolter went down, you know, uh, Peringer and Cherlinov stepped up, or on the right hand side you had Iden, or maybe it was Randfall, or maybe it was Vinheim. Uh, Metrosiani had a decent game. You know, it was next man up, Chalanolu stepping up um, in the midfield. We had a rotation for most of the season. Lots of start of the season gets injured right away, and you know, Paulson's there. Flick had a good season, so it's just uh, overall it was uh, everyone next man up, Fairman, Frazzled, whoever. Uh, and that ultimately what got us to, got us over the edge, and we end up getting promoted. That so, um, yeah. Let's see what Janko's saying here. Go ahead. No, go ahead with Janko's comment first. He says, "I don't know about you, but about the season connecting me with the players a lot. Yes, uh, I lost passion for the club with Corona happened, sadly, but this season really made me become a fan again. I agree, hundred percent, hundred percent about that. And he says, "I also think the players are really connected to the club. Unlike the players we had last season, they realized what is Schalke. I agree. I mean." What we heard a lot about is how quickly Toroda adapted to the Schalke mentality and Cherlinov and some of these other guys, Salazar, uh, and, and they really feel like uh, Schalke, uh, these players, and uh, you were going to say something before we got in, on, on the comments. No, like no one wants to be on a sinking ship. It's it's a tough situation to be in, like when yeah. you're a Schalke player the last couple of years before then. Also, that was happening in the middle of you know the pandemic, so there's no home crowd. You're just getting, you know, you're getting your ass kicked in an empty stadium you know, to like hollow celebrate. It's just a, it's a really dark, you know what I mean? So I, I think it's a little bit easier for some of these guys to feel connected when you have the home support, the Nord curve, you know, just going crazy. Um, and some of the atmospheres that we're used to seeing in the Veltons arena brought back now. Um, but yeah, a very, very likable squad. And I think this kind of transitions us into one of our next talking points, potentially, which is Schroeder and what we think of what he did. You talked about the depth that we have in the next man up mentality and how we were able to ride out even through some tough periods of injuries. Earlier, you were talking about sort of that period where Bolter and Toronto were both unavailable and Peeringer, you know, not lighting the world on fire, but put in some important performances. Yeah. Trillinoff put in some important performances. Uh, you know, the, the revolving door of, of personnel at the right back, right wing back position. Um, and even though that play wasn't consistent there, like, you know, almost everybody that ended up being in that position had at least one game where they had a really special yeah. performance that helped get a result across the line. Um, so, yeah, and I think I think that's part of the credit to Schroeder for, once again, rebuilding the squad, finding, you know, the right combination of young players to maintain, even though we were disappointed about some, you know, some of the people that left ultimately, you know, uh, you know, Kudachu, Bazdawan, whoever. Um, but ultimately, you still have like an Adrizi, a Flick, you have an Aiden, you know, there's there's players, he's, he's, he's finding, you know, the right mix of youth talent and the yeah. right, um, you know, cheap signings or free transfers in the loan market to build a squad. You have Churlinov, you have Zalazar. I mean, both, I mean, Churlinov and Salazar, they're both younger than Adrizi. That's crazy, isn't it? By like two to three years. That's crazy. Adrizi's like 24. So I'm saying like, those are both young guys. We haven't locked up Churlinov yet. Um, hopefully we can get him permanently from, from Stuttgart. We have locked up Salazar, but I mean, like, I mean, yeah, to get, to get Toronto on a free, to bring in a sidekick to him, like Bolter from Union Berlin, um, Salazar and Cherlinov, huge signings, Oian from AZ, um, you know, uh, it's just, it's, it's a great job from him and we needed somebody, uh, you know, competent. Yeah. Who's not only (laughs) smart recruitment wise in terms of building a squad and finding like legitimately good players, but ultimately has, I think maybe sort of like, you know, the, uh, the financial or sort of like the, the, the art of the deal kind of situation there in terms of like, he, he's a little bit firmer of a negotiator has some, you know, has some stones in negotiation instead of us getting taken advantage of constantly, which was a problem. Um, and part of the reason, you know, for our financial situation and everything else. Um, so yeah, for me, Schroeder, you know, maybe the most important signing for the club overall. Um, and yeah, did a great job. And we'll get more into about Schroeder later, but you know, another thing about him that we love and we didn't realize we love it. And it also kind of hate it, right? In the past, 
when there's rumors, whoever the sporting director was, there's always rumors constantly because there's always a leak. With Schroeder, you hear nothing. We don't know who the hell coach candidates are, who the next players are. We don't know anything. And we love that because he's a freaking legit sporting director, but we also hate it because we don't get any kind of snippets of anything. So we're like, who the hell are we getting, right? But I digress. I agree. Schroeder is the signing of the season. Um, But outside of Schroeder, right? I mean, you got to look at guys like Itakura. Itakura, fantastic pickup, right? I mean, he's been lights out pretty much all season long. He's had some dips, right? But he, for the most part, he's been excellent. Chirlinov was a great pickup. Zalatsar was a great pickup. Um, yeah, and then some of the moves he did to... Oh, well, that, I guess it's going back to Schroeder. But Itakura, I think, and Itakura, Chirlinov, and probably Zalatsar are probably three of the best signings we had in terms of outside of Uyan, of course, Uyan and, and Taroda. But I mean, when you see Taroda coming in, you're like, okay, well, that's almost a surefire bet there. Uyan, Uyan is certainly a top signing there. I'm not going to, I shouldn't, I shouldn't downplay that. Um, but for me, probably Uyan and, and, and Itakura are probably the best. I mean, what other signings, if anything else you, you really liked, I think. Player wise, well, that's the thing though is like there's so many different guys that you can mention and make a case for yeah. being like almost equally important. Like, obviously, Toronto scores 30 goals, he's going to be the first on anyone's list, and he should be. Yeah. Oyan, particularly early in the season, was unreal. Um, like the first half of the season, especially obviously before the injury trouble and some other stuff, and maybe you know, some usage wore him down a little bit, but like he was crazy early on. Um, Salazar, the number of huge moments, um, how important he was to ball progression, yes. um, you know, without I mean, Harit, that kind of a thing. Um, so many, so many guys, and then of course, yeah, Itakura, who was as good, if not better, than Malik Chow over the course of the season. Um, and let's talk about him for a second because we, we just found out that it looks like the asking price for Manchester City is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of six million. Um, hmm. and we're going to struggle probably to come up with 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 that kind of a signing without letting go of some guys first. How are you feeling about our ability to potentially retain him? Well. Well, we'll get to the guys that we've released already, but you know, there's a couple guys on the radar, and Itakura is one of them. I think I, I read somewhere that you know, like, hey, if we can't afford him, we'll have to find the next man up, and I'm I'm confident Schroeder can do that. But what we've seen, and you know, Yanko makes that comment, is that Itakura is a warrior. The fans embrace him every time he made a tackle, and the fans came back, they were applauding him like like no other. They they love him. We all love him, and. Six million seems like chump change when you think, you know, the big grand scheme of things. So what Man City can afford, you know, a hundred million dollar player got Erling Halan, right? But six million seems like nothing, but we don't have six million and we have to sell some players. And you know, whether it means selling Harit or doing something with like a loan option or you know, a default payment or whatever. I don't know. I don't I feel confident because we haven't let him go yet. So I, I I'm I'm not completely down out zero percent i'm 50 50 right now because i want him but i don't know how if anyone's going to figure it out it's going to be schroeder um and hopefully man city is willing to negotiate a little bit and you know either give us another loan or give us some more time because we have until 31st which i don't think we'll make a sale by then um unless a big sponsor comes in and gives us some money i don't know yeah, which could happen. It could, Re, uh, you know, new sponsor renegotiating of sponsor, getting us some 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 windfall from from that. But um, yeah, the six million is going to be difficult, and I think the reason we haven't locked it up yet is because we haven't. We have to sell somebody. We have to sell a couple players to be able to get the transfer funds to cover this. Harit would be one guy. Did he you? does not. Ha- he does. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. He, he Harit does not have the option to buy in his loan deal. Remember, Correct. we did not loan him to to to, to Marseille with an option to buy. So he is going to 
you know, come back to some extent, and then maybe Marseille end up being the ones who ultimately do purchase him. I think it's unlikely that Harit comes back into the Schalke squad. Um, maybe he goes elsewhere. So hopefully that deal goes through. We get some money from that. The other question though is like, is is Mao Chow leaving? Is he going to be mm-hmm. sold? If that happens, do you keep Ozan Kabak, which was the the comment that just got brought up in the chat? Like we should yeah. sell Kabak. Who's worth more at this point? Probably Mao Chow, yeah. honestly. Um, and I don't know. Yeah. So like some serious questions there about, uh, you know, who's coming and who's leaving for sure. But Itakura crucial. And if we can hold on to him, be great. Cause also just how versatile he is, you know, the midfield ability, the passing ability, goal scoring, I mean, everything. Yes. And, and I don't know if you saw this, but you know, a 6 million, it's really, if you look at it in, 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 in a, in a broad perspective, it's not that much money. And someone tweeted it out and I don't have it in front of me, but they said, look, there's 160,000 club members on the team. If we each pay 3750, we can come up with six million dollars to buy to buy him, and I'm like, let's do it. I would, I would do it legally. I don't know if we can do that, right? But hell yeah, I'd give, I'd give, I'd give hundred euros in a second uh, to get Itakura. That's that's nothing for us. And then when you look at it that way, it's like, oh, that's not that much money, right? But yeah, are we all really gonna pay? And is that legal? I don't know, but you know, we gotta find a way to keep it the cooler man. I, for, for sure. Well, for sure. So we're talking in the chat right now. You have, you have, they're saying, you know, both of these guys, and I, and I totally understand where you're coming from. They're saying, you know, Kabak is a flop. Let's sell him. But if we lose Tiao, but, but, but I'm saying, what do you sell a flop for? Yeah. If he's a flop, like what's what's his actual market value? Who's who's going to be buying him at this point? Euros? We, we, he was on loan at Liverpool. Liverpool declined to buy him permanently. Norwich he went to Norwich. Ultimately, got injured down the stretch. But Norwich is a disaster. I mean, this guy has not been in a window in a real positive sense as much lately. Um, I think the market for Malik Chow is probably much bigger at this point. Um, and so, you know, you wonder, is it a position, is, Richard, do you think that like Kabak could be reintegrated into the squad and actually still putting good performances in the Bundesliga? Do you believe in him? Because it wasn't that long ago when we were looking like this guy is, you know, one of the top center back prospects that yeah. we've seen recently. There is still potential. I don't know that he is completely lost now. I think if he got to play with an Itakura or got to play alongside Tiao or, uh, you know, get into the game, a little bit more or, you know, slowly develop back into the certain lineup. I think it's po- there's possibility that for sure. I'm not going to give up on the kid, but you know, what we saw the last, the last year really was, you know, get a lot of red cards, yellow cards, stupid plays, right? The year before was excellent. And then then last year when we got relegated, it didn't look really good at all. Then goes to Liverpool, doesn't perform there, goes to Norwich, wasn't doing great there either. So, I mean, it was a difficult circumstances. I get it. Uh, and I'm not completely down on him yet. I mean, if we can get five million for him, great. But I don't see that happening. If someone mentioned three or four million in the chat, that'd be—I mean, that'd be great if we could get that. But honestly, I'd think one to two million would be what his market is right now. Malik Tiao, you probably easily get ten million euros. And we know Milan was sniffing already in the January window. And so who knows what's going to happen? This none of us want to sell Malik Chow. No, no. Like we obviously want him to be in the starting lineup. None of us want to sell him. But so this is a business. Um, yeah, but the question is like the question is. Are, are we just rolling into the Bundesliga with the squad we have now? Are we not doing any business in the summer to improve? Like, we're going to have to spend – we need a goalkeeper. That's one thing. Yep. We probably need some more depth up top, arguably at right back as well. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Li Dong Zhang, but, like, we need a creative midfielder probably, mm-hmm. you know, all-playing midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's some, there's some work to be done, and we're going to need money to accomplish those things. 
and also we just need money in general. So like we're going to it's not like we're going to stop being a selling club. Shock has always been like a selling club. And especially now, I mean, like I think our ability uh, to hold on to our promising youngsters is probably lower than it ever has been. Yeah. <laughs> you would think, and maybe maybe we have some sort of new internal resolve and we're going to be like, hey, even though we need the money, Malik Chow is a Schalke player and he's hugely important to our squad. And we're not going to let him go. I'm just saying, like, you know, if you could only sell Malik, uh, if you could sell Kabak for like only three million or something but you think that he could actually be a starting center back for you in the Bundesliga and be fine. But you could sell Malik Chow for 10 or 15 million, maybe let's yeah. say 10 million. Do you consider keeping Kabak and trying to play him and selling Chow so you can improve your squad in other areas? Otherwise you're saying, you know, like, Hey, we're only getting 3 million and we don't have enough funds to maybe help the other areas of the pitch that we need to. And we're just hoping that, you know, Malik Chow is that solid still going forward. I don't know. It's a tough situation, you know, but I'm sure Schroeder will figure it out because he's done a good job so far. I believe in him. Yeah, we have to trust him so far. He hasn't stirred us wrong. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, ultimately, I would love to keep T out in Itakura because Itakura can play center back or we've seen it down the stretch, center midfield. So, you know, he, he's so so versatile. I mean, look, Tiao, he's versatile as well. He can play anywhere on that back line. So we'll see. I mean, uh, we'll get into the contracts here in a minute. Uh, but let's talk best 11s because ours are close, not quite the same. Uh, let's start with yours, your best 11 this season. I'll let you have the floor. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I tried to pick one of the one of the shapes, sort of default systems that we actually used, um, rather than just sort of inventing something new. So uh, obviously, most of the season we were playing essentially a five three two. I ultimately went with the four two 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 because I felt like that was you know one of the systems that we played later on that actually got the most out of the squad and kind of maximized our potential. Um, so uh, in goal, Frazel, um, you know what? Like came in, did the job. We got promoted. Good enough. Um, ultimately though, I think both him and, and Fairman were probably below average, um, on the course of the season and certainly not like, you know, either of them is like in the conversation for best goalkeeper in the second division or anything like that. So certainly probably one of the weaker points in the squad overall, but credit to Frazzle, you know, did make some big saves at times. Um, and, uh, you know, ultimately was, I guess, good enough to see us kind of where we needed to be. Um, right back was a tough situation. Uh, a lot of guys that played in that position, a lot of guys that had nice moments, um, ultimately I'm just going with Iden. I felt that like some of his highs were, um, a little bit higher. And I also felt, uh, as though, I mean, as, I'm just kind of, you know, I want some of the youth players. I'm, I'm biased towards, you know, giving the youth players a shot, that kind of a thing. Um, looking forward to seeing what he can do moving on. Uh, Malik Chow, um, phenomenal. Not much else yeah. to say. Uh, Kaminsky, uh, surprised me with how good he was. Um, we talked, you know, maybe he's probably like, you know, the weakest of Itakura, Tiao and, and Kaminsky, weakest of that three, but still not somebody that you're concerned about playing, um, a number of beautiful long balls that contributed to goals. So, I mean, he, yeah. he had some great moments across the board. Um, so I have him back there. Oyan, uh, you know, nothing, nothing to say there. Phenomenal player. Um, <laughs> because Itakura was so good and because, you know, like Itakura, Kaminsky, and Tiao often played most of the games. I did use Itakura as one of the midfield players, which we did see down the stretch, not where he played primarily, but I wanted to get him in the squad, yep. and that's feasible. Um, I don't think, you know, that needs much more explanation. We talked about Itakura already, phenomenal signing. Hopefully we can get him permanently. Um, I ultimately went with Flick over like a Victor Paulson, which was a very close decision. Um, and as you guys know, I'm, I'm, I've, I've been pro flick kind of all, all season. So that's just like a personal preference thing for me. I, I, I prefer what he brings to the game slightly more than what I prefer to Paulson. But I thought both of them, you know, had a similar number of appearances and like both played very well. And there's not a whole lot separating those two at the moment. Right. <clears throat> um, both are in Toronto up top. Of course, that's the duo. I don't think anyone's arguing with that. Um, I want Salazar, um, of course, uh, 
hugely important down the stretch, but in, you know, important throughout the entire in course of the season. And then ultimately I did choose Cherlinov as the other kind of like wide midfielder or winger player. Okay. I think especially what he brought to the equation late in the season and the number of goal involvements he had were huge in us grinding out some important matches and getting over the hump. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my starting 11. I think the honorable mentions, the people that were very difficult and close to making the squad, one I already mentioned in Paulson. Um, I think he was very close to being in there with Flick. Um, Drexler for Cherlinov. Uh, Drexler was very good early in the season, kind of like fell out of favor and wasn't getting as many involvements, had another stint kind of late in the season where he was playing really well for a few matches. Um, I think maybe one of the more underappreciated players in the team this year, um, and certainly could be in the squad and I wouldn't have any problems with it. I just ultimately, I think Cherlinov is just a game changer, a little Mm -hmm. bit more uh, an X factor, um, Adrizi. Uh, you know, not as much of a fixture, more of an off the bench player, but had a number of influential cameo appearances. Um, and then one that's not on here that I, I do want to mention is just Chananoglu, um, just because Oweon, um, in particular, uh, for him to be that good of a player and then us to lose him for a period of time with injury and for us to not actually be like that upset about it because Chananoglu <laughs> like filled the gap. I think that speaks to how well he played, not perfect and certainly not like to the level that Oweon played, but I thought he did very admirably. Um, kind of like in 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 lieu of Oweon and and uh, yeah, so that's that's going to be my starting eleven. Any initial thoughts from you, sir? No, uh, it's pretty good. Mine isn't too different from this. I mean, it's it's one of our strongest lineups that we could have, I think, if not the strongest. Um, obviously, a healthy Iden, I think, is the preferred right back, um, and you know, the other three in the back are, are no brainers. Um, I like the shot for Flick, and you know. Wilter Toronto ultimately, I mean, they, they are the cream of the crop of our team in terms of goal scoring and, and assists and stuff like that. So, I mean, Bulter, 10 goals, 10 assists or something crazy like that. I mean, double digits. Uh, and then Toronto obviously getting his 30 goals. So we're not a one-trick pony by any stretch. So mine's mine's not mine's not too dissimilar. My mine is slightly nuanced than yours. Um, I'm going to four, two, three, one. Uh, same back five, really, honestly. Uh, I'm with you on flick. I think flicks. Ability to pass and kind of unlock games, he still has a defensive marking, uh, maybe not as good as Paulson. He can do the job, but his vision kind of led to a lot of breakaways or breakouts that led to goals. Uh, this season, one one in particular where he made a nice assist to Chirlinov who got the goal. Uh, so I agree with that insertion. That was I the James Thurgood call at the top of the podcast. Yes, right? yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, that was against yes. Paderborn, as it was. It the was, two, yeah, two two against, yeah, that was a good goal, yeah. Uh, but you know, you mentioned Drexler. I did insert Drexler into my top 11. Um, I thought his he was very underappreciated. I think the work he was doing, not flashy by any stretch, but he was doing the grunt work that we needed at times where at times we weren't that great flashy or whatever, but he was constantly – him and Salazar, really. Him and Salazar really doing the, 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 the grunt work where they're going after balls, digging in, fighting all game long. Um, and so I wanted to give props to Drexler for doing that. I mean, he was huge for us throughout the season. He did get quiet, like you mentioned, and, and you know, Cherlinov, you know, stepped in, you know, and I love Cherlinov. Don't get me wrong. I love Cherlinov, but, um, I thought Drexler deserved some kind of, deserved to be in the lineup somehow. And there's no way I was taking Salazar, Bulter, Toronto off. So, and I was like, it's gotta be Cherlinov that comes off. And so my honorable mentions, obviously Cherlinov, Chelanolu, like you mentioned enough, I thought he had a, he did a, Great job of coming in and, and filling in for Uyan. And obviously Idrizi, he we thought starting the season that 
you know, maybe it's Salah starting, Idrizi should be in that starting midfield, right? And he he did okay, you know, throughout the season, but at the end, he became a super sub. Really, when he came on, he was an impact player. Obviously, the, the big assist to Toronto for in the Sandhausen match, right, to get the game winner. And then Toronto's uh, 30th goal of the season, that was Idrizi as well. And Idrizi had some big games yep. uh, down the stretch. And so, for sure, honorable mention. There's some other guys as well, but um, yeah, I think our, our, our formations are pretty similar. It's just, you know, yours is how we ended the season. Mine is how we were at the beginning of the Buskin stretch, I guess. So, yeah. And I'm not surprised because you and I do tend to kind of see things pretty similarly for the most part. It's rare that you and I have like very strong disagreements about boring. Like, yeah. I know. <laughs> I, wish, I wish we had a little bit more like, you know, controversy on, on this. But um, yeah, like I said, I mean, like Drexler for sure. I think, I think if this was like a first half of the season only. I would have been there 100%. As I said, one of the more underrated players on the squad. I always appreciated them. I was shouting him out early too. It's just that like, maybe it's partially recency bias, but I just, yeah, it's Trollinov just has an X factor where he can break a game open. And he had so many important moments down the stretch when we were winning those games. And that's not Drexler's fault if he wasn't getting selected. You know what I mean? But yeah. um, for me, I just had to give uh, Trollinov the edge, but I think we're very much on the same page there for sure. Well, let's quickly go through some player ratings because we have a lot of players and we want to see where they rank. And we kind of can pick them as we go I'll, I'll name a guy and we'll we'll decide where we think they go um where's my screen there's my screen all right um i then so the, the categories are excellent above average average below average or inconclusive so let's start with i then i think you just gotta go average at this point i think okay. he shows flashes of being um above average um and potentially a very good player uh a little bit of inconsistency and i don't think maybe the most well-rounded maybe on the defensive end but um i don't know what are your thoughts on him I agree. I think he had some really great games where it was almost like a compliment to Uyan and then other games where he kind of disappeared, right? And so for the for the the whole of it, I think it was average, average performance. The potential is certainly there. Yeah. Uh maybe he needs to train with Uyan, I don't know, but um yeah, it's it's been up and down and I think average for the most part, I think overall. So, uh, next Dominic Drexler, I'm going to give him an average. Um I think his Work rate was above average, but I mean, ultimately, the contribution to the team. I'm just going to put him at average. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm fine with that. I think he, I think he flirts with the above average, and maybe not. But I, yeah, I think it's just the underrated component that makes me kind of want to put him a little bit higher. Um, he did a lot of the dirty work, like you said, very hard work rate, and was able to produce and, and play a key ball um, when those when those moments fell to him. He wasn't the one that was kind of like forcing the issue and creating those chances in the way that Salazar was with his ball progression and stuff. But Drexler would pop in in important moments and was capable of delivering a pass or getting on the end of something. Yeah. Um, you know, scored some goals, had some assists, and, and was an important, um, you know, in terms of his work uh, on the defensive end and away from the ball for sure. Mm, yeah. Uh, next up, Ralph Fairman. Inconclusive. Um, maybe you can put him below average if you want to, but you know he was not the starting goalkeeper for the vast majority of the season. Yeah. And I felt that when he was removed, he hadn't really done much to deserve being removed yet. So I'm just going to rate him as inconclusive. That's fair. I you know I, I was leaning to put him leaning towards putting him at below average just because the times he was in there, he wasn't great. But like you said, it's only a handful of games, if that. Um, and then he did get the win at the end. So I don't know. Inconclusive is fine with me. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm fair with that. Uh, I'm going to go. Let's go Kaminsky. I'm going to go above average. Um, I, agree. I, I agree. And I think, once again, I think it's what he does, uh, particularly 
in possession that kind of puts them over the top in that category. Um, you know, a little bit limited in certain areas, but defensively solid, defensively good enough to get the job done. Um, and yeah, like I said, number of like long diagonals that were very important in like goal creation and stuff, uh, scored some goals himself, not just assisting. So, um, overall player that impressed me, um, and delivered and was a little bit more solid than I expected. And yeah, I I put him in, I thought he was still even, even alongside Ida current. Yeah. Was probably what you would say, like, in the top tier of center backs in the league this season. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, above average, certainly, I think he, he did a decent job. You never you never had to worry about him when he was out there. And he had some fantastic assists throughout the year, had a couple of clutch goals like we talked about. I, I, I like that above average shot. Uh, Danny Latza, I'm going to say, ooh, um, I'm going to say average. I want to say inconclusive because he was injured for majority of the season. When he came back, he did okay. He hits a couple of games. I think that Eisenberg match, he had a goal and assist or something. Ultimately, I'm going to give him average. What are your thoughts? That's fine. I would have been like, yeah, inconclusive or average. He ultimately, I think, did have enough games down the stretch where you could probably rate him. Sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, for me, it was just an expectation game that I have to manage. But ultimately, I don't think he deserves to be in like a below average character. He didn't make like a ton of mistakes or anything. Yeah. It was just, yeah. So, yeah. Um, next is Loda, and uh, he didn't have that many games. Do you want to yeah, say inclusive? inclusive. I'm gonna okay. say inclusive, fair, fair, okay, fine. I would have said below average, but okay. he came in in the winter too, right? Like winter he window, did. like he didn't did. get, yeah, I'm gonna say inclusive, yeah. And, and there's the two guys here in inconclusive right now, and I think I gotta take this bias away because I watched them in friendlies. We saw them a lot in friendlies because they didn't get to start in the games and they didn't look great in friendlies, but you know, you can't judge everything on a friendly, and if you did, we would be a you know, your Europa League type team because we, you know, we we probably outplayed Cologne in our in our friendly that we had against them. The two goals against were Loda was in defense and Fairman made up some mistakes. So you know, anyway, but I digress. Inconclusive, I agree. Uh, Misha Longer, inconclusive. I don't know if he even got a game in. Um, also in the chat, one one in Berlin. Yeah, at the yeah. moment, that's interesting. Okay, that is interesting. Uh, speaking of interesting, Andreas Winheim. Where are you putting him? Uh, sorry, inconclusive as well. Okay. Um, came back right at the end, but once again, I don't think we saw enough of him to really get a full picture of what he could bring. I don't. I don't disagree. First couple games were fantastic for him. Then he got injured, and then he came back and wasn't the same player. Um, we saw what one, two games from him after that, and yeah. so it wasn't enough. I think ultimately, if if he had enough games and they were like this, it'd probably be average. But uh, yeah, I'm cool with that. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Did I then Bolter? Um, I think you probably have to go excellent. I'm like flirting with above average or excellent. Okay. And it's just like, it, it, it's the assists too. It's not just the goals. He didn't have the 30 goals that Toronto had, but he had a number of assists. It was his work rate, um, you know, against the ball as well. And in possession, how deep he would drop and, and help link up and, you know, covering a little bit more ground than, than Toronto would um, at times. Uh, there was there was a few games where before like both of them were injured where Toronto was out and both were scoring goals in his absence and kind of stepping up. Um, if you wanted to put him in, in above average, I'd be fine with that. And even if you said average, I, I think I, I think I could see you making a case for it. But to me, he was well rounded. He was the perfect sidekick. You need one of those, and he was good. I I don't disagree. I think he has, he was excellent for what we he's better than we thought we we're gonna he was gonna be at least better than I thought he was gonna be. Um, being that wingman that we that Toroda needed, Toroda was never gonna be able to do it by himself. And I thought the goals and assists by by Bulter was um, way way higher than we expected. Um, 
I think I'm going to put him just above average because I do agree. Someone in the chat said it. Uh, he did have some bad games, um, and that doesn't mean that every nobody had bad bad games. But ultimately, it's it's if there was a you could put him in the middle right there. I I would I think. Um, yeah, that's totally fine. Yeah, and, emotional leader too. Yes, seem like at times. And we yeah, and we love him on the show with his celebrations, angry celebrations. <laughs> so either way, it works out. Um, Chalanolu. Uh, I think I'm going to put him probably the same tier as like Iden for the time being average. Um, okay. did, did a very nice job, admirable job filling in for Uyan as we talked about. Um, but, uh, and it had some good games, had some where he delivered some, had some assists, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, capable of playing good ball. I think we want to see some more of him next season. Um, but yeah, did a good job this year. I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, next is Trelinoff and I'm going to say, I'm going to, I want to put him up above average because he ended up becoming a big uh playmaker for us down the stretch and it was a crucial in some of the games he had a big uh big assist to throw it a couple few times uh, several times actually and he had some nice goals what do you think he is i mean it's between yeah. that and the average to me no i agree I, th- I think he was probably average in the first half of the season and yeah. i wasn't particularly fully convinced with him i think he moved into the above average category late and i think he has the potential to be in the excellent category in the future i think he's very, he's 21 years old i, I think crazy. he's very promising so yes I agree. Um, duh, 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 duh. Florian Flick. I, it's, it's tough. I, I want to put him above average, but I feel like maybe just average as a whole yeah. season as a whole. I'm going to so, yeah, I'm going to say average. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I'll have to dig into more of his individual like metrics and stuff. Yeah. And really, I want to take a closer look at his his stats and this. I haven't really done that yet, but uh, yeah, not not having huge moments or anything. But I yeah, I thought you know added added once again to the style of our play and some of the things that we could do. It was a nice foil for Paulson in certain matches yeah. when we needed it. Yeah, um, a guy that maybe we say average now certainly could be above average going forward. I like him a lot. I know you want to put Martin Frazel as excellent, but I think I have to go below average really because yeah. I, we I heard all this stuff from the great Abel Mezeros. <laughs> I could shout out to Abel uh, about how good he was. And, and he had some great plays, you know, in at a divise. But uh, ultimately, his distribution, that was, was he's something to be really excellent at. And he was a upgrade from Ferriman, I think, almost cost us in many games. Uh, and there were some times, I don't know. I, yeah. Well, average might be harsh, but sure. I don't know. I almost feel the need to like clarify that we do love Abel, but he's not listening to this anyway. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> we love we love Abel. He's he's not listening. Um uh yeah, listen, uh I don't want to like pile on and kind of dump on this guy, uh for sure, but I, I, I think I would be shocked if there were many Schalke fans that would be like, Yeah, let's keep Frazzle going in the neck. And we're not going to. He's it's already been announced that he's leaving. But like I've seen a couple, not feel, but yeah, mostly yeah, you, not. You would not feel comfortable with him being your Bundesliga keeper. And I think I think he was below average maybe average at times for the second division level this particular season. I agree. I agree. Uh, Idrizi, I'm going to put him at average. Um, wasn't consistent enough. He, he had some great runs down the end, but ultimately for the season, I think he was just average. I don't know. That's fine. Yeah, flirting with the above average category. Influential off the bench a lot. Had some nice yeah. moments. A little bit inconsistent. Not not called upon. I, don't know. I mean, he, he started some matches and everything. I don't know. It, it, he's, he's a tough one. I like him, though, obviously. I think we both think that he yeah. um, adds something for sure. Someone I think you'll find hard-pressed to find that they don't like him, Itakura. I, I want to say excellent, but I'm going to – I want to put him – you're going to put excellent? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. All right. I was going to put above average, but hey, I, that's fine. Everyone loves him. He's great. He's great. <laughs> I mean – 
he was a shutdown shutdown center back for the most part. Had some miscoverages here and there, but I mean, goes into the midfield like seamlessly, and that's what I mean. I, I think maybe you, if you're looking solely like defensively, yep. you could argue like maybe like Jiao's like excellent and Itakura is like above average. But I think like well, when you can, take into account the entirety of his game and his versatility, um, hugely important player. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Lee Dong Jong, I'm gonna put inconclusive. Didn't get any. Got one or two games and then got injured, so inconclusive there. Uh, Matriciani, I'm gonna say average for the time he had. I mean, it's inconclusive, maybe, but I don't know. Are you gonna say below average? What do you What do you think about Matriciani? <sighs> I think he's average, flirting with below average, flirting with inconclusive. But I think we I saw agree. enough of him. Probably we have to rate him. Um, he, has some, looks, he was better down like, the end. Yeah, it looked looked like decent at times where you're like, oh, you know, maybe he's like better than I thought he was. And there were times where, yeah, he just was getting kind of bodied and looked a little bit out of it. So, um, but, you know, played played some important minutes when we needed uh, with the depth that we were talking about earlier. I think, I don't know. I think people want to give Mikhailov an inconclusive, but I think we saw enough of him that I'm going to give him a below average. I, you know, he had some great preseason time, but then as the league went on and, and Gramozzi seemed to favor him at the beginning, he really stagnated our offense i think and i'm gonna put him below average i'd say below average or inconclusive but i'm fine with that yeah okay let's see uh, um i'll try to talk less about each one of these so we can get through these because there's a lot of players (laughs) fair enough thomas uyan excellent or above excellent excellent fair enough i can't i can't argue with that uh paulson i say paulson i'm gonna go average with paulson yep correct i'll agree i think i said i think paulson and flicker right there so i'd kind of put them on the same level marvin peeringer I go average as well. Okay. We're gonna have a lot of average, I think, maybe. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. important minutes off the bench uh, shows you some things at times, but not quite putting it all together yet. I'm gonna say Rantful is inconclusive. He had only a handful of games, some good, some bad, but not enough to judge him. Or would you say? Yeah, otherwise? I'd do something. Similar. I'd say inconclusive or like average footing with below average, kind of like the Kalov as well. I don't know. He, he was okay. tough. Had some good games. Had some bad games. Yeah, um, yeah looked pretty unconvincing overall. I think. All right, I'm going to put Salif Sane at below average. I think for what we expected of him, and yes, he was injured in this and that, but I'm going to put him below average. I don't know. Yeah, I'd go below average or inconclusive. Um, Had some, maybe maybe even, uh, same thing for the last three players, maybe flirting with average, but like had a a run there in the middle where he was kind of getting some matches over Malik Chow. They kind of be subbing it when there was some rotation, but then ultimately kind of faded away late in the season again. Uh, He's going to be leaving the club as well. Uh, tough time for him to join right as we were declining. I kind of feel bad for like how many years he spent kind of mire around with us, but yeah, weird player. I've never really been able to figure out how good I think he actually is. Yeah. Simo Toroto. Excellent. Excellent. I mean, we expected 15 goals. He got 30. I mean, it's ridiculous. 30. Malik- yeah. Uh, Malik Tiao. I'm going to say above average. That's fine. Let's do it. All right. Um, to, to Rodrigo Salazar. Last one. Well, player wise. Uh, it's hard. probably excellent, but like maybe above average. I think, especially down the stretch, he was really good. There were times early in the season where I was kind of frustrated with him, sort of like Trillinov. I think both of them like won me over the longer the season went on. But Salazar was ultimately hugely important, like I said, to ball uh, ball progression. Um, his work rate off the ball, like he, 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 despite being like an offensive player, maybe more than Drexler, but also put in a, a huge work rate. And kind of wore himself ragged a lot over the course of the season, scored some huge goals. Right. Um, really big player. How do you feel? Ultimately, he goal of the season, no doubt, but two goals of the season are right, top two. Uh, but I'm gonna put above average because 
he started out well or started out slow, got hot, kind of faded, and then got and then came back on like gangbusters at the end. Um, so I'm just just below excellent, I think. Uh, you know, flirting with like some of these guys are flirting with this and that. I'm gonna put him yeah. just above average though. So, uh, okay, Gramotis. Where do you see Gramotis? Because I think personally, Gramotis did an average job. He didn't. I'm fine with that. Yeah. You know, and I, Buskins got to be excellent. What do you think? No? Yeah, sure. I mean, you have to. You won eight of nine matches, got us promoted, <laughs> won, won the title that you have to. But it's just, yeah, it's funny. And if there was a category above excellent, that's where Roven Schroeder would be, I think. He... Excellent for Schroeder, yeah. For so sure. That's, so that's our ratings for this season. Um, yeah, a lot of guys there. What's left? Uh, contracts. Uh, there's five guys who left already. Salif Sane is one of them. Andreas Vinheim. Um, who else? I just had it up here. Where is it? Uh, well, I'm trying to pull it up here. Frazzle's Mich- dipping. I think Mikhailov's dipping. Isn't Mikhailov going back? Uh, Mikhailov is. Michel yeah. Langer is gone. Rantful is gone. Uh, as is Razakowski. Okay. So those are the ones that are exited for sure, which gives you hope with Cherlinov, Itakura, and who else? I think that's it, right? The two main ones. I'm trying to get those two guys signed up. So we'll see. Um, yeah. Uh, those are two guys who we really want to keep, and it's going to be hard. It's It's business side of things we're gonna have we may have to lose some guys to keep those guys i don't know but those are the two guys right now that are really in question um maybe you get some loan deals with them maybe not Gramote, uh excuse me i mean harit's coming back you mentioned it marseille wants him back on loan what i love about schroeder is he said no we're selling him yeah no he's he's keeping a fine line with that for sure um, and when you say he's back like i think it's i think it's almost a certainty that he's going to be gone i really don't yeah. think he's going to be back Correct. in the squad i think we're selling him for sure yeah and Schroeder's been holding a tight line. I mean, we he was on Sports Studio, the uh, the channel ZDF on uh, in Germany, and they were trying to the announcer is doing his best, the host is doing his best to pry something out of Schroeder, and he would not budge at all. Um, but we did hear that because um, they asked him about Ortega, the goalie from I mean, Abinefield, and he's like, no, 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 no comment. Um, but th- no, they asked Ortega his thoughts, and he's like, oh yeah, Schalke's a that's a good club. I like that club. Yeah, so. He wasn't as uh, uh, able to hide his emotion, poker face, as well as uh, as um, Schroeder. So you imagine, it sounds like Ortega is going to be the goalkeeper coming in for us in the future. I don't think Fairman, if he does stay with us, he's going to be a starter by any stretch. Uh, Ortega seems like he's going to be a, a solid goalkeeper for the Bundesliga, and hopefully he's with us. But uh, that's a definite for us. We got um, one of the Cisse's, Ibrahim Cisse, left winger, left back. That's going to be a backup for, I guess, Chalonolo and Uyan. Uh, Leo Grimal, Leo center Grimal, back. Center back. Uh, see how he does. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 maybe he ends up being good, and like that solves the problem that we were talking earlier about who are we selling, who are we keeping from the center back position. You know what I mean? So hopefully he ends up being a, an important player. Who knows? Uh, we are have our eyes on um, Kraus from um, Nuremberg, Nuremberg, I think, right? Uh, I'm not sure back. about that one, but yeah, I haven't heard that one, but possibly. Yeah. Um, he's a U21 player for Germany that we ha- people have their eyes on. Um, I'm gonna say it's Kyle Kraus, but I, it's Kraus is his last name for sure. And then um, the other one was uh, there's a Danish player striker. His his name is eluding me at the moment, but he had 16 goals in the Danish league last year. Coming, you talk about depth. Um, that's someone who they're looking at bringing in. And then Lee Dong Jong, they brought him up that. I think the rumor is that the agreement with Hyundai or whatever the team is that he came from in, in South Korea 
they've agreed to a six month loan with option to buy. And so if that, that's the case, that'll help us, especially if we can get some funds uh, freed up and he wouldn't be that much money, I think, but uh, I know Schroeder loves Lee Dong Jong wants to see him, see what he could possibly do. Uh, and I, I want to see what he can do too. So uh, if, if we can get that six month loan with option to buy, that'd be a great deal. I think in my opinion. Yeah. We just haven't seen him to know anything that he can do really. I mean, like we've seen some compilation videos. He hasn't really played for Schalke at all. Hasn't been that involved. Um, yeah. I think we do need a creative ball playing midfielder centrally, um, like more attacking. I think he can potentially do that, but I it just, yeah, there's no way to know yet. We just haven't seen enough of him. So those are rumors for now, at least for players and stuff like that. Um, coaches, coaches, uh, Gramozzi's okay. Season ultimately not enough. We talked about tactically where he struggled. Luskins yeah. did fantastic down the end, especially with the emotions. The team really loves this guy. I mean, he did his 1904 kilometers the other day, you know, for, for a good cause and stuff yeah. like that. Everyone loves him, but probably not the Bundesliga level manager. And so we know people are coming in. Uh, someone's coming in who we don't know. Um, Schroeder talked about what he's looking for in players, but you know, for a fact, we know San, or Sandra Wagner's not coming in. Um, some other names like Vines, you know, Brighton Rider, they're not coming in for sure. A couple other names that they had in there that they mentioned are not happening. Uh, you know, can you think of any names off the top of your head that they've ruled out or that they've just been kind Either. of the rumor mill? Either I don't, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think people, I keep seeing Raul. I, I mean. Yep. And yep. that's, just, I think that's mostly just like, you know, that's like a fans Schalke guy because he was here for a couple of years and the fans would feel good about that. I mean, this is a guy that ha- doesn't have any actual managerial experience in like a top division. Um, I mean, I, I, he's, he's the coach of, of, you know, the Real Madrid like reserve team at the moment. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I've been following the results and the tactics for the, of, of the Real Madrid reserve team. Um, I, I think Raul plays a four, three, three, one for the most part. I think that would work with how we were playing at the end of the season and getting results and potentially with, with um, the squad. Maybe if for some reason we hire Raul, he's able to bring like Sergio Outerboss with him on loan. And that solves our creative midfielder problems that we were just talking yeah, about. I, yeah. I, mean, I doubt that. I'm sure he's actually probably going to be sold this <laughs> summer for like $30 million or something from their reserve team. But like maybe we get like a, some, you know, promising uh, Real Madrid, uh, you know, reserve player on loan and, and bring him into the, uh, you know, the second division. Um <sighs> Daniel Farka, I mean, like, is 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 been mentioned. I don't know how you feel about that. It's like when he's in the championship with Norwich, they look good. When he's in the Premier League, they look atrocious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he was most recently the manager of Krasnodar, but um, that contract was over when the whole Russia Ukraine thing started. So he's without a club at the moment. Um, would also he also kind of plays a four two three one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like yeah. once again, somebody also kind of similar to Raul potentially in terms of some tactical elements or at least a default basic shape. I'm not saying they played similarly, but yeah. There's a manager who I I want to say won the Polish league or something that they were mentioning. He has a he's been in the Bundesliga before as manager. His name's escaping me at the moment, but he's someone that they mentioned. Um, but I know Schroeder. The only thing he'll say about the manager one we we believe. Uh, that manager will be selected in the next week or so. Uh, they said shortly after the the celebrations are done with the with the the, the championship for the second division and promotion that we're going to be signing to see that new guy because he wants to have he Schroeder did say in fact that you know for the first training June 20th or whatever it is he wants that new manager there. Uh, so we believe that he'll be signed sometime in the next week or so. Uh, but Schroeder did say he's looking for someone who look who has leadership, brings community and pride. What's important to Schalke. Um, there is a solid core here, both with players and managers. Buskins is staying, girl. That's the most staying. You imagine Kreutzer staying. 
Um, I know Herman is getting flirted with with, with Dortmund. Uh, they want to have him possibly as a manager or assistant manager. But um, the core is here, and Schroeder says important that the new manager comes in and emerges with this with the with the current core that's here. Um, Buskins came out in the press conference says like, and if you don't, you don't want me, I'll leave. And Schroeder's like, no, 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 sit your ass down. You're you're staying here. You're not going anywhere. Um, so Schroeder, you know, will be the assistant, and so is Gerald Asamoah. So we'll see. I mean, I don't know. I'm 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 curious, but you know what we love hate about Schroeder is that there's no freaking rumors at all that are that you can rely on. Marco Rosa. He recently became available. I don't think he would no, join zero, us. Zero chance. I just think it's yeah, I think it's funny, but yeah. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, Nico Kovac is one, right? But he just got signed up by Werder Bremer or somebody. I don't know who the hell he got signed up with. Never, but somebody, uh, Wolfsburg maybe. Um, so it's a lot of vacancies out there. We have one of them. We'll see. I have no idea. If you have an idea, let us know. Cause I don't know. Long as it works, that's all I care about, right? Long as we play attractive football, that's all I care about. I saw Brighton Ryder and Vine Zero both coming into Bundesliga. Uh, they got clubs. Uh, Brighton Riders actually just won the Swiss League uh, with uh, Zurich. So uh, first one. Okay. <laughs> all right, that's all I got. I'm, Last, lastly, what do you think we're doing next season? How are you feeling right now without knowing uh, anything, dude? I, I'm, I'm, you know what? We'll do an episode or something when we have some more concrete, like transfer news or whatever. It's I'm not even going to venture. Hard to know. Yeah, I'm not even going to venture a guess. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that. You know, I'm so happy with the way this season ended up, and uh, yeah. you know how how together the club feels again. The momentum that we have, we're on the right direction. Um, incredible season to be a Shackle supporter, and uh, hopefully we can keep it going and kind of build our way back up to where we were previously. Yeah, it's so many unknowns now. It's it's no point in guessing at the moment because next week we find all these different details and change everything. So what a season. Hell of a ride. We got to have our passion and celebration back because it's been a long time since we got to celebrate Schalke uh, as a community, as a whole, just even individually. It's just been such a joy to you know watch Schalke this year. Not only did we get promoted, we get the title as well in the Swite Liga, right? So crazy year. Um, I want to give a shout-out. Not only to you, Jack, but also to all the people who've been following us throughout the year, watching our watch-alongs with us, uh, join us on the podcasts, uh, on the chats. Uh, thank you guys for sticking with us. It's been hard. It's hard to follow along the Svite League with the coverage being spotty as it is at best. But we found a way. We got through the season, and next year we'll have reliable coverage with ESPN Plus here in the States. I'm uh, watching the Bundesliga game, so I'm excited for that. That's all I can say. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like so. Richard, I think you and I would be kind of just shouting into the void, kind of regardless. But which it's, we it's have. a lot. Yeah, <laughs> which we at times we have. But no, it's 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 much more fun when we have all of you kind of hanging out um, and and having the conversations with us and everything, and you know, a lot more um, people in Germany, you know, hanging out with us this year as well too. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, just wherever you are in the world, yeah, we appreciate you, uh, you know, being on this ride with us and uh, looking forward to keeping it going in the Bundesliga next season. Jack, we're going to have to get our German better so we can bring some German content, too, to really widen our gap. We're, we're shocked at the world at this point because we got people from all over the world following us. But, yeah, let's get that community with the Germany get tighter there, too. So, anyway, where any shout-outs before we uh, wrap this up? No, I mean, like I said, shout-out to the audience. Shout-out to you, sir, for all the work that you do uh, for the podcast, all the technical stuff and everything. Uh, a lot of, you know, everything that you see technically is Richard and nothing to do with me. So I just show up and talk. <laughs> No, I mean, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, just yeah. every, yeah, I mean, Richard, yeah, Richard is the producer and, uh, you know, and the host. So I, I just, I just show up and ramble. But yeah, thank you for everything you do and uh, for having me again for another season. And uh, season yeah, six coming up. Season six. I went on vacation. Literally, as this podcast ends, I'm going on vacation. So 
Uh, can't wait myself. Uh, let's see his last travels. comments. Thank you, sir. Reggie's, Joseph, everyone, Yanko, everyone, have a good summer. Uh, I'm sure we'll be here and there uh, as the season goes on. But uh, yeah, Jack, where can our followers find you on social media? At JM Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter, right off the tongue. We're in end-of-season form. No mm. problems getting over that Twitter handle mm. yet. Everyone, enjoy your summer. Stay safe. Have a good one. And, uh, you know, we'll see you at some point in the next couple of months here. I am at R, R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Someone rolling the tongues, and I just screwed that up right there. Uh, you can follow me all over social media, wherever you want, if you want. But Shock America, follow them. Follow us. We have a website. It's, it's, it's an okay website. Uh, we have, you know, gear at teespring.com slash Shock America. Follow us, subscribe to us on, on YouTube, and follow us across all social media. Uh, let us know what you want to see going, not only in the summertime, but in the, in the seasons going forward. Any guests you want to see uh, going forward. We'll try to bring back some of the ones that we love personally uh, going forward here in summer and, and, and next season. But for Jack, I'm Richard. It's been a hell of a season, a fantastic season. Enjoy your summer. We certainly will. I will in a couple minutes here. Uh, until next season or next time you see us, Blue Golf. Blue Golf.